Welcome in Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage in Thornton in Westminster and Superbook Sports. JJ Jerez here, Arif Dean, in an emptying ball arena, but also a converting ball arena. They're turning uh, it, the ice into a mammoth field here right in front of us. So a little entertainment for our <laughs> eyes while we have this conversation, Arif. At the count of three, we're going to pick up this turf and put it in its place. Looks tough. Looks yeah. like back- back-breaking work. I'm happy to just be sitting here talking into a microphone and not being down there. But, um, yeah, Avalanche, hang on. You know, another stressful third period, I think, for the Avs faithful. But Avalanche end up winning 4-2, get the empty netter. Before we get into that, though, Arif, the most exciting part of the evening, of course, I think, was the little skirmish post-whistle nonsense going on where Jordan Bennington gets involved. Curtis McDermott comes in from the blue line and just <laughs> wrecks everybody's show. But, um, yeah, entertaining stuff from Bennington, I guess. He's a showman. Nonetheless, he's a villain. What he does. It's he what relishes he does. in that role. But he, hey. If that dude was in WWE, he would be a heel because that's what he does. He jumps into the skirmish there with Logan O'Connor, which I don't even feel like Logan O'Connor got an extra poke in. It was really weird what even set it off. He got called for a slash, and I did not see a slash. I didn't see a slash. Jared Bednar was shocked that they came out with the power play, and that was a thing because you and I were talking about it during the game. Like The difference in penalties was Logan O'Connor got two minors, the roughing and the slash, and I don't understand where the slash came from. So that all happens. Uh, Curtis McDermott flies in from the blue line to join, and he also got a roughing penalty. And then of all people... Jordan Bennington jumps on the back and hits his arm around Curtis frickin' McDermott. Just silly. Uh, like, just stupid. Like, where, what? I don't know. I don't want to turn this into the boat, the, the Bennington hate fest show, but just <laughs> I don't understand the thought process there. And then obviously at the other end, Alexander Georgiev quickly made his way to center ice. Uh, it's so weird. I just looked down at center ice to kind of like narrate what i saw and it's half of a turf it's so weird how quickly they do this it's shout out to all these workers out here but uh yeah so georgiev quickly found his way to center ice and uh i don't know if you guys have seen the video yet but the video surfacing of the referee that was in the melee quickly turning around and like instructing and directing is probably the better word bennington to get back in his crease was georgiev uh, sorry to georgiev was really funny to see yeah definitely and uh I mean, obviously, all the Bennington antics, we're used to it, right? And he knows what he's doing. I think a big reason that he's going to jump on the back of a guy like McDermott is because the ref was right there. The ref was in between them. He knows that the ref's going to stop anything from getting crazy or McDermott, you know, turning uh, Jordan Bennington's face into a punching bag. But, yeah, it's fun to see Georgiev get involved in that just to not only send a message to the boys like, hey, I've got your back in any scenario. If you need me to pump Jordan Bennington, I'm here to do it. But also just as a message to to Bennington to say, hey, I'm I'm new here. Yeah. But I uh, I hate you just as much as the rest of these guys because you know Georgiev watches what Jordan Bennington's done over the couple years, and I'm sure there's a lot of goalies out there that just chomping at the bit to get a taste of uh, punching Jordan Bennington in the face. But it, it didn't go down to everyone's dismay. It'd been fun to see a goalie fight, of course, but. Um, yeah, cool Cool for Georgiev to go all the way to center ice and really kind of send his message there. Yeah, there was a cool tweet from Evan Rawal at Colorado Hockey Now. Rawal. Uh, Rawal, okay, sorry. Uh, Rawal at Hockey, Colorado <laughs> Hockey Now, who sits closer to where the scouts are in the press box. And uh, during the game, he tweeted, I overheard a scout in the press box say, quote, was that Georgiev that almost came out? He's got a little crazy in him. So he does. We know he does. Yeah. Uh, Georgiev, who once famously 
punched his teammate Tony D'Angelo, <laughs> yeah, that's no uh, which led to D'Angelo getting bought out and removed from New York Rangers locker room ASAP. Let's not forget what Georgiev did to that crossbar a couple weeks back. Uh, yeah, he beat the <laughs> shit out of a crossbar with his stick in Vancouver and then played it off like, yeah, just a little frustrated. Uh, but I loved the quote from him, how he said, uh, there were six guys to our five and I don't think that's right. So I was ready to maybe talk to him at center ice and then... I told you earlier, I got to shout out Bennett from uh, the Denver Post who responded and said, was talking the only thing on your mind? And Georgiev kind of smiled and said, yeah, maybe, maybe. Like, basically, obviously, was ready to drop the gloves if it if it was going to lead to that. But in the NHL nowadays, especially when you have a ref directing the goalie to get his ass back in his crease, goalie fights are just so hard to come by now, uh, which is maybe what's frustrating Bennington. He can't get a damn goalie to drop the gloves with him, so he's going after McDermott. I, I don't understand it. Yeah, I wonder what Bennington would have done if I, I don't think he saw Georgiev kind of challenge him out to center ice, right? Because even after the play, Bennington skates back to his bench, is drinking his water, even kind of throwing some some looks over Georgiev's way. And Georgiev's already over it. He stopped paying yeah. attention. He's minding his business. He's cleaning his crease. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I wonder that's, what would have happened. That's how it was with Grubauer, too. If you remember after that series ended when the Avalanche swept the Blues, Grubauer posted a picture, which might still live on his Instagram, that said, memories of the first round. And it was a picture of Grubauer sitting in his crease, just chilling, and Bennington getting pulled away by a ref while he's losing his mind and unraveling. Uh, but on that note, Villains in Colorado, and in Colorado, I mean specifically Avalanche-related, not for other sports. There's four names that come to mind for me. Actually, five, and one of them is a little bit weird because he played here for a little bit. Todd Bertuzzi. Well, actually, there's some from the Red Wing days, but post-Red Wings rivalry, there's five names that come to mind because the Red Wing ones are, are obvious. Todd Bertuzzi, Matt Cook. Sorry, Todd Bertuzzi, Brad May, Matt Cook, Devin Dubnik, and now Jordan Bennington. There's a common theme there. Bertuzzi and May were teammates. Cook and Dubnik were not teammates, but both came from Minnesota, and now Bennington. Where does he rank on that list? Uh, I mean, there's a few names I feel like you're leaving out if we're going post kind of that first generation, era, right? Yeah. I think you can throw in maybe even Ed Belfour, Jeremy Roenick, but if we're sticking to the newer yeah. era. Yeah, yeah, post Post-rivalry, post-lockout, I guess would be, or not post-lockout, but post-2002-03 when the Red Wings avalanche rivalry was starting to simmer down. I, I think among Avs fans, if you if you took a poll, they would probably say number two only behind Todd Bertuzzi. I think, I think that that is reasonable as well. Obviously, Matt Cook from the injury to Tyson Berry in the 2014 playoffs was, at the time, Tyson Berry was like on his game like you would never mm -hmm. believe. Um, and then, obviously, the Brad May situation connected to Todd Bertuzzi, which ended with Pierre Lacroix uh, infamously signing Brad May to, or trading for Brad May and bringing him here where he was literally booed by the home crowd. It was just a whole wild thing. But... I would agree with that. I think Bennington is right up there. Devin Dubnik, it was just fun to boo him. He was pulled three or four straight games here. Milan Hayduk's retirement night was one of the funnest things that I've ever experienced at, you know, what was then Pepsi Center at Ball Arena here. Um, but, yeah, Jordan Bennington is really climbing that villain ladder, and he's doing it in losing fashion pretty much every time. The Avalanche eliminated Bennington and the Blues from the playoffs two years in a row now uh, following the bubble playoffs in 2020. Well, here's what really went wrong with that scenario, too, is you see a goalie do that. You see St. Louis kind of get off their game a little bit, right? And you're expecting, okay, this is a good chance for the Avalanche to kind of take over. They ended up shorthanded, which we heard after the game Jared Bednar didn't really understand or agree with. I, I get it. McDermott coming in from the blue line kind of eliminates the wash that was going to happen. But you think that the St. Louis Blues are about to 
just let the game go and Avalanche about to take over. But instead, St. Louis scores on that power play and gives St. Louis a little bit of life to what kind of set them up for that third period. They came out and, and pushed a little bit hard. Yeah, like if you're Bennington, to you, you did the right thing in that moment because it led to all of that. The Again, I don't want to credit Bennington for that power play. Like, had it been a five-on-five five thing and the Blues score five-on-five five and then they get that goal from Ivan Barbashev in the third, it's 3-2 and they have the abs on their heels, I would. But uh, Bennington has nothing to do with the fact that the ref somehow decided the avalanche would come out of that on the PK. Like, I don't understand that, which is why I was telling you in the press box I don't understand it. Jared Bednar literally said I was shocked, shocked to understand how we ended up on the PK. He thought it should have been a wash. I asked him if the refs gave him any kind of an explanation. He said no. Um, and the Avalanche obviously failed to kill that penalty. That's only their second power play goal against. Uh, the second time the PK was unsuccessful over the last eight games. I think they're 14, sorry, 15 for 17 over these last eight games since that Chicago game. And hell, in that Chicago game, they were 5 for 5 on the PK. So technically, they're 21 for their last 23 or something like that. And then looking, this is the last time I'll bring up the Bennington situation, but of course Logan O'Connor was kind of the, the catalyst of that whole thing. Um, but he had a really good game today. That's, yeah. I just wanted you to use that to transition into his two assists. And of course, Alex Newhook getting that first goal early. Um, the first periods, you know, you and I have pointed out that's been a huge help for them lately. What and a change. Tonight was no different. Yeah, what a change for this team. Uh there was a stat, and I'm shouting out pretty much everybody in the press box at this point, from Ryan Boulding talking about how this was the third two-assist night of Logan O'Connor's career. The first two, January 14th against Ottawa, January 24th against Washington. Wow. He's had three two-assist he, he is in a little bit of a scoring slump. He hasn't scored a goal, just like last year where he started hot and then you know kind of cooled down with the goal scoring. He hasn't scored a goal since November 10th. But in terms of assists, he's still putting put, uh, putting up some numbers, and now that's his third two-assist game over the last eight for the Avalanche. So six assists in eight games, pretty good stretch there. Um, but, yeah, Logan O'Connor was awesome, and it you know kind of ties into that line with him and Newhook and um, Andrew Cogliano there with Newhook at center, which is something he wasn't playing for a little while. They've just been so great together, and... I can't speak, I know we've spoken about it enough, but I can't stress enough how big Cagliano and O'Connor have been for Alex Newhook to get out of that rut he was in. It's not about being a high-flying pl uh, player and playing with other high-flying players. Here is a couple of veterans that are going to buckle down and do the dirty work and like let you spread your wings and fly. And that's what ultimately what we've seen with Alex Newhook now. Scores on his birthday for the second year in a row, just a quirky stat there. Um but he's up to six goals, sorry, five goals and two assists, seven points in the last eight games. And this is a player that only has 20 points all year, seven of them coming in the last eight games. Yeah, interesting how that hardworking line and, and those two hardworking line mates really benefit Alex Newhook, right? I yeah. mean, perhaps early in the season he was putting a little bit more pressure on himself to be a producer, where now on a line like this, it's more about hard work. It's more about that forecheck. It's more about getting a body on somebody. And apparently he, he's thriving under that kind of scenario rather than having to skate with, you know, Rantanen and Nachushkin or, you know, Rodriguez, the, the mixture of guys that you have on that second line with Newhook. Just, it, it's all about chemistry, right? And it feels like the chemistry is just where it needs to be with that Cogliano, Newhook, O'Connor line. So we'll see how that all gets affected 
after the All-Star break. Yeah, there was a little bit of a stretch there for 10 or 20 games where Jared was playing Newhook on the wing and spoke a lot about how he likes Newhook better at the wing. He doesn't feel like he has the game for the 200-foot the game to play down the middle of the ice, which is, you know, obviously was the big topic of conversation during training camp was Newhook being that second-line center. Um, but ever since he's been reunited or ever since he's been put back in center and kind of paired with that Cogliano-O'Connor pair, uh, we've seen him kind of elevate his game. And both Jared and Newhook spoke about that today. Uh, Newhook mentioned how it was really nice getting back in the middle uh, where um, – where he's finding a little bit of a stride. He's able to use his speed to generate plays and just feels more comfortable at the center of the ice. And Bednar went on this long, you know, Bednar rant, as he loves to do, where he talks about all the good things a player is doing. And he said he's playing a real nice 200-foot game right now in the middle of the ice, which is good to see. So they both spoke highly about Newhook elevating not just his game, but elevating his game as a center where he's got to play that 200-foot game, that two-way game, and he's pretty much the first guy back in the zone. And, and he's doing a good job at that, which is really big for both him and for the team because this team needs Newhook to be at his best, and at his best should be better than what he was last year, not worse. Goal scorers tonight are of Alex Newhook, JT Confer, Evan Rodriguez, and Matt Nieto. How about, how about that for some depth? depth? Hard-working, blue-collar type of guys. You love to see it. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Let's take a break for uh, Total Beverage here and regroup. Uh, everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure. Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits. But did you know they deliver? Did you know they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. You good? Good to keep going? What'd you yeah. just get frustrated at? We're good. I get some uh, live feed. Oh, I did the exact same thing yeah. on our Instagram page. I forgot that the empty netter got in there, and I put it as 3-2. Yeah. forgot it was 4-2. It was a last-second empty yeah. netter. Too it's funny because I put somebody just tweeted me and said, hey, the title of your story says it was 3-2, and then in the story I put 4-2, but up top I said 3-2. It's That empty netter came late, and it was a big one for the Avalanche and for Matt Nieto scoring his first goal in a few years here with the Avalanche. But um, It's the first time we've uh, had a podcast with Matt Nieto back on the team, having played some games. Of course, yeah. first game against Anaheim. Um, How have you liked him? Of course, I think... Putting him on the second line is shooting a bit high for Matt Nieto, right? Really trying to set that bar high, like I yeah. said. Um, but, uh, you know, he's kind of just a filler right now for Val Nachushkin. I think his real spot will slot down further down the lineup. I mean, you even see today they played um, with 11 forwards again, missing a left winger on that fourth line. Yeah, I mean, the the biggest thing for – okay, so I was trying to find a way to word this question, and I couldn't find a way to do it. So I didn't ask it, but I wanted to ask Jared, like, Matt Nieto played 15 minutes tonight after playing, I think, 14 or 13 minutes in his first game. Um, like, not how big is, has his impact been to the lineup, but, like, how sneaky good of a trade was that by Chris McFarland to offload two guys that are irrelevant to your lineup and to your future for somebody who's going to help you now and in the playoffs, but... I needed to word that in a way where it didn't sound like I was completely taking Martin Kaut, Jacob McDonald, crumpling them up into a ball and throwing them way under the bus. Like I couldn't find a way to do it, so I didn't do it. But he's he's been absolutely huge for the Avalanche, and it's it's really great to see him back. Like he's been like 
the Avalanche have had former players come back. Carl Soderberg is one that comes to mind. Patrick Nemeth is another that comes to mind. I've been beating the drum of Jack Johnson, even though he's had a terrible season. But there's a, there's a common theme there. Soderberg came back and was terrible. He had lost a step or two from his first stretch with the Avalanche, and when he came back, just wasn't that as good. Same with uh, Patrick Nemeth. He was brutal in his second stretch with the Avalanche during the 21 playoffs. Matt Nieto is a different case because he was putting up good numbers with the Avalanche, and he's still putting up good numbers this year. He was really good with the San Jose Sharks earlier in the season. He was a, still a good player last year, and he joins the team, and he's still that same piece he was a few years ago. And that is a very different breath of fresh air for the Avalanche, to bring someone back who you recognize and remember, but to bring them back and have them play that exact same game. So it would be you know, the equivalent of bringing back... Uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about the possibility of bringing back Ryan O'Reilly, which, you know, probably won't happen. But if it were to happen, you also still have to sit there and be like, this is a big name, a guy that's won the consummate trophy. But you got to cross your fingers that like O'Reilly's poor season can be turned around when he comes here. And he's not going to be a shadow of himself that he was with the Blues when he won the consummate and with the Avalanche in his first run. With Nieto, you're getting that same guy at the same impact doing the same things he was doing three, four years ago. And I think there's the element of the presence in the locker room that's important, right? I mean, I think we remember Ryan O'Reilly and his time here. He had a little bit of a personality to him, I would say. I don't want to call it an ego because that sounds a little bit negative, but yeah. you know you know where I'm going. Um, you don't know how he would blend, how he would react with this locker room. You know exactly how Matt Nieto fits in this locker room. He's yeah. not going to be too big of a personality. He's got some friends. I'm sure he gets along with all the guys, and, and they get along with him. So um, that's important too, right? And that was kind of one thing I brought up last year when they made all those moves at the trade deadline because it was a very busy trade deadline. And I was like, you'd hate to tinker too much with the good chemistry that you have in this locker room. And that's the same thing with Matt Nieto. I mean, look at Nathan McKinnon, for example. His two line mates as of late have been Evan Rodriguez and Arturi Lekkinen, who 365 days ago, neither of them were here. But, hey, he was able to find some pretty quick chemistry with Lekkinen. McKinnon and Rodriguez, I mean, they go together like spaghetti and meatballs, it feels like. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's – a fine balance of finding perfect players for your system, but also good players to hop in and create that immediate chemistry or in Matt Nieto's pick it up where you left it off. Yeah, I mean, it's really awesome for McKinnon's sake. I mean, that's a great point that neither of those guys were there 12 months ago, and he's already got this chemistry with Lekkonen from the Stanley Cup final from that playoff run. And then you bring in Rodriguez, and he fits like a glove. I uh, was talking to Rodriguez afterward just a little off the record after uh, we talked to him in the locker room and kind of like Crosby to McKinnon, like how great does that feel to play with both those guys? He's like, it's, he's like basically the guy is just so fortunate. Like he went from playing with Sidney Crosby for 20, 30 games early last season before the injury uh, to the last 10 or 20 games with Nathan McKinnon. So he just, he does a really good job. There's something to be said about that skill of being able to play with good players. And Evan Rodriguez has got it. Yeah, indeed. Indeed. Um, Let's see. So obviously the All-Star break is uh, now. This was the last game before it. And Avalanche... The bye week before the All-Star break, we should say. Good point. Good point. Yep. Um, but yeah, Avalanche end their uh, streak here. They've won seven of their last eight games. Yeah. But looking ahead after the All-Star break and uh, when guys have had a nice little, what is it? How many days is the break here? 
They're going to have between now and... Days. Just about. Till, till that Monday, so it's about nine days. So, uh, yeah, I'm sure we've got uh, some new names hopping in the roster. And, uh, you know, Val Nachushkin, someone we're looking at. Gabe Landeskog, there were some updates on him. So what do you think the roster is going to look like post-All-Star break? Is Jesse Montano sitting here trying to distract <laughs> us during our podcast? Yeah. Say what's up as to if people. the people. Uh, Hi, people. As if the uh, <laughs> arena being turned into uh, turf wasn't enough. We got Jesse Montano at DNVR kind of trolling us right now. Ben Myers back up. Talk about that for the rest of your pod. I'm going to hey, hang up and listen. First, ben First Myers got sent time. down. Ben Myers got sent down. Breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> We're clearly on top of our game here. So let's go through the list here of the Avalanche players. Val Nachushkin, fingers crossed you hope he's going to be back by then. It's an upper body injury, this time unrelated to the lower body injury that's been fucking him up since he was carted out of game six drunk after winning the Stanley Cup. Um... So that upper body injury is something that you hope he can recover from. If he's back, which I think he's going to be back because the Avalanche didn't even bother to tinker with the lines. They just plugged in Nieto as a placeholder until this guy's ready to take his spot back on that line with Comfer and Rantanen. So you get Val Nachushkin back. That's one piece. Then Ben Myers, and, not Ben Myers, sorry, Bowen Byram and Josh Manson are two guys that have been skating in a red non-contact jersey for a few weeks here. These guys are getting really, really close. I would assume that after these this bye week, which CBA league mandated, you cannot let your players do any team activities during the bye week. So you don't want to end up like a Toronto, Toronto Maple Leafs who got fined for leaving early that one day after Christmas. So both Manson and Byram are not going to skate. And if they do, it's not under team supervision. I don't know if they're allowed to do their own thing. Coming out of this bye week... Both of those guys, the expectation is they should be taking contact. If they're not taking contact, they'll be close to it. So February 7 is the next Avalanche game. The trade deadline is March 3rd. You would expect both of these guys are going to be back sometime in the mid-February range. Then there's two more names. There's Gabe Landeskog and there's Darren Helm. We got updates on both of those guys' practice on Friday from Jared Bednar. Darren Helm is not being shut down. That's not the idea. I know that it was rumored for a little while and everybody's just kind of assumed it with the Matt Nieto pickup, but the Avalanche have never said it. Uh, right now, the latest update we got is obviously the Darren Helm injury is related to the one that kept him out for the first 30, 40 games or whatever the hell it was of the season. But with Darren, the Avalanche are at a point now where he's progressing well enough where he should be hopefully taking the ice, not with the team, but under team supervision here after the break. And if all goes well, he could work his way back into the lineup. But it's not a guarantee. But the other big news that we got is Gabe Landeskog should be back in Denver and skating under team supervision pretty much right after this All-Star break and bye week. And that is huge because the word around the NHL is not that Gabe Landeskog is going to be LTIR to the playoffs. The word around the NHL is in that early to mid-March range, the Avalanche should have him back. And it might sound like a while from now, early to mid-March, but the next Avalanche game is February 7. It's three, four weeks later. Yeah, I mean, four weeks of skating sounds right about where you want to be. Reasonable, right? yeah. yeah. And, and um, obviously not something you want to rush, but uh, they haven't whatsoever. No, so absolutely uh, not. now is a good time to see him back on the ice. We'll see how he reacts, right? I mean, look at Darren Helm. We anticipated him getting back in the lineup all season, last two games, right back out of it. So yeah. not only do you want to get uh, Gabe Landeskog back in the game ready form, but of course, multiple games and all the games if possible. Yeah. The biggest thing about getting Gabe Landeskog back in March is the Avalanche plays 16 times in March. 15 of those games are after the trade deadline. 
Now, if there are bad teams in the NHL right now, which I know the Avalanche have lost to a handful of them, Anaheim, Philadelphia, uh, Chicago, Arizona, so on and so forth, Vancouver twice. Um, but if there are bad teams in the NHL, those bad teams are even worse after the deadline because that's after they've unloaded what's left on their roster that's still good. <laughs> so in March, when the Avalanche are expected to get back Landeskog and hopefully Byram and Newhook and Natrushkin, all these guys are back and no other injuries arise, which is a big ask. You have 16 games. You got San Jose, Arizona, Montreal, Ottawa, Detroit, Chicago, Arizona, Arizona, Anaheim. Nine of those games are against those teams that you expect to sell at the deadline. Maybe Detroit's not going to sell, but they're not very good. Maybe Montreal only has a couple pieces to sell, like Edmondson or whoever, Monaghan, etc. But those are nine very, very, very winnable games. And then you got the San Jose Sharks twice in April. Like, you are set up to go on a run once Landis Cog is back in this lineup. Love, I love the thought of playing those teams after the deadline, after they've yeah. sold, and have obviously made their teams a little bit weaker. Yeah, I mean, like, look at Anaheim last year. Anaheim last year was a piss-poor team, and then the deadline came around. They traded Josh Manson, uh, and who's the other defenseman? Lindholm to Boston, Hampus Lindholm, and look where their team went after that. It's it's wild what the trade deadline can do to those bad teams as they all tank for the bottom to hope for Connor Bedard, which, if you had to ask me, I think it, it would be awesome for Anaheim to get him. But um, the Avalanche have nine of those games out of their 16 in March. Not bad. Not bad at all. So, um, yeah, we failed to mention Alex Newhook's birthday today. So happy birthday to Alex Newhook. Yeah. I told you he scored two years in a row on his birthday. Just a very karky stat there and something that has never been done in franchise history but is not a stat you ever thought you would hear about. It's such a weird one. A birthday, scores a goal, and heads into a break. That guy's going to have himself a night tonight. Yes, he is 100%. The entire roster is probably going to go out with him and have a hell of a night except for two guys. Nathan McKinnon and Matt Nieto, they're going to stay back and play Fortnite. What a good energy. <laughs> <laughs> what a good energy Alex Newhook has, too, when he's doing well, right? I mean, just a smiling guy, great to talk to, and uh, tough tough to be around when he's having a slump. So, uh, I mean, obviously that locker room's a better place when they're winning, so let's keep the wins coming. Again, 7-1 yeah. and one in their last eight. Hell of a streak heading into the break here, right where you want to be. Yeah, it's wild to think that of their last nine games, they've won seven, and the two they lost were the two worst teams in the Western Conference. <laughs> yeah. That's it's the avalanche of this season. They got to find a way to bother you like that. But you can only say so much because they're the defending Stanley Cup champs. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, that's all we really had to say from tonight's game. Um, I want to end with uh, something that we started with the Jordan Bennington case. Um, I went in and tried to talk to uh, Nathan McKinnon about the Bennington antics and all that stuff. And. It came off to me as McKinnon just wasn't giving me anything to work with. Like, ah, whatever. You tried to set him up for a Try to set him up for like, a, for like a, this guy Bennington just as annoying as hell, blah, 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 blah. And he didn't say anything. So I thought. And then I sat down and I listened back and I want to read you this quote and I want you to tell me what you feel of it. Nathan McKinnon said, it's, it's not just our team. It's around the league. It's just how he is. Either way, it's all good. Certainly, it's not hurting anybody else. It's fine. And at first, I was just like, yeah, he's just downplaying it. But the key words there, it's not hurting anybody else. Does that not sound like a low-key jab at Bennington that he just isn't hurting anyone? He's not phasing anybody. He's the not only phasing thing he's anyone. doing is getting in his own head. As physical as he thinks he is, nothing he's doing is actually hurting anybody because it's all <laughs> fake punches and fake jabs and fake fights. 
I low-key think Nathan McKinnon said a lot right there without me even realizing it, and I got to shout out our guy number 29 because that is a hell of a quote. Yeah, it's one of those times where I— can't I, be overthinking it. I just wish the crowd was a little bit more European and gave Jordan Bennington more than just booze, yeah. like start to insult him. It hurt hurt his soul. Really hurt his feelings. <laughs> even just like a simple ben, uh, Jordan sucks or Binner sucks or, hey, Binner, you suck or whatever, like just something more than just boo every time he touches the puck. There was that one funny one where in the third period he skated behind the net to pick up the puck, and he held it for like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, and then they're like, oh, shit, we got to boo. boo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this guy. It was late. Yeah, but um, – Banger of a quote there from Nathan McKinnon. I, I, I can't possibly be overthinking it. It's all good either way. Certainly, it's not hurting anybody else. It's fine. Well, literally in two weeks exactly, they'll be playing again in St. Louis. So um, let's see if this quote-unquote rivalry, I mean, the Avalanche kind of have been dominating St. Louis over the years. I mean, a rivalry has to go both ways, right? But this quote-unquote rivalry February 18th. sparks up. That's in three weeks from today. Two weeks from today, they'll be at or, Florida. Oh, yep, yep. My so calendar be, tricked me. Yeah, that'll be in three weeks from today. But, hey, coming out of the break, big road trip, Penguins, Lightning, and Panthers, that second game against Tampa. I said, McKinnon, are you uh, excited to get back to Tampa Bay for, you know, the place where you won the cuff? He said, no, not too excited. They're a pretty good team. It's a tough battle. I'm like, could you just give me something here? <laughs> something I forgot to bring up about Nathan McKinnon, at the end of the game there, blocks a shot, kind of limps his way off the ice, visibly in pain. Um I don't know how much we love Nathan McKinnon blocking shots, but at that time it was a pretty big block, a pretty pivotal moment. And, uh, yeah, we'll see how he recovers. I mean, he's got plenty of time to recover. I'm sure he'll be just fine. But definitely something I caught there in the final minutes of the of the game. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what superstars do, and, and he did a hell of a job there. Yep. All right, well, that'll do it for today and for the weekend. Um, thanks for hanging out with us, everybody. And, We'll, uh, we'll see. I'm not sure what our podcast schedule is going to look like moving forward, but you know we'll be back, and we'll be back to talk some more hockey, probably get some guests here during the break. You know, we'll have to get a little bit creative. So, uh, yeah, stick with us. Thanks for hanging out with us today, and if you made it this far in the podcast, bless that pretty little heart of yours. Let's make hockey for everyone. We out you.